Amen. We are the church together. We're going to hear now the gospel lesson for this day coming from the second chapter of Matthew, beginning with the 13th verse. I ask that you hear these words of our Lord. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said, and take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night, and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, Out of Egypt I called my son. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious, and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under, in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping in great mourning. Rachel, weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up. Take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel. For those who are trying to take the child's life are dead. So he got up, took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning in Judah in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. He withdrew to a district of Galilee, and he went and lived in a town of Nazareth. So was fulfilled what was said through the prophets that he would be called a Nazarene. This is the word of God still speaking today. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. The Christmas story has reached its ending. When they had gone is referring to the, the Magi or the wise men who came to visit the Christ child giving him gifts. Epiphany comes 12 days after Christmas, so we're still in Christmas season. We celebrate Epiphany in the Western Christian Church on January 6th. And Epiphany is celebrated because the Savior of the world, the Messiah, the Christ, has been revealed to the world with the, the wise men, the Magi. It shows that the Messiah is not just for one people or one place. Christ is revealed to the world. That's why Epiphany is celebrated. In the early church, Epiphany was the big day. It wasn't Christmas. So if you think back to when we began the story of Christmas, it began with a dream. The story ends with a dream also. But this time, instead of reassuring Joseph, reassuring Mary, there is a warning. King Herod wants to kill your child, Joseph. What this shows us is that not everyone that hears the news about the Messiah is going to accept it as being good news. 
As John's Gospel reminds us, the first chapter, the 11th verse, he came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. And this rejection of the arrival of the Messiah was foretold by God by his Old Testament prophets. It wasn't a surprise to those who knew the Holy Scriptures. And actually this rejection of the good news of Jesus Christ, it continued throughout history into our history, our time, and our world today. All we have to do is look at the violence the hate, the wars and conflicts that are happening around the world and in our own communities, especially how the most vulnerable people are impacted. The slaughter of innocent people, innocent children continues in our world, our time, and our communities. And while philosophers and theologians can address the problem of evil intellectually, many grieving people inside the church and outside the church have to engage actively with it. How do we address the problem of evil? And hopefully for people that are wounded by the evil in this world, knowing that Jesus shared in our pain and suffering can offer a moment of compassion and understanding. God truly understands and cares for us, and God paid a price to become us. Jesus, in his own life and ministry, taught us that nonviolence and love is the way to counteract violence and hate in the world. As followers of Christ, we consider ourselves Christians. We're called to do what Christ taught and did in his life's ministry. Jesus himself, as a young child, faced deadly violence. King Herod, feeling threatened by the birth of this child, who'd been identified as the king of the Jews, Herod didn't want any competition even from a child with no military or political power. He was frightened and mad. King Herod ordered a search and destroy mission to be carried out in Bethlehem to try and eliminate this perceived threat. And unfortunately, the feelings that drove Herod to violence are still alive and resounding around in our world. All we have to do is look around and see the resentments that can lead to violence. People of red communities and people of blue communities resent one another. Many people feel threatened by immigrants. And the immigrants are trying to flee violence in their home countries. When they arrive, they live anxiously not knowing what is in store for them. And fault lines easily develop between members of different racial and cultural groups, which can lead to injustice and violence. Jesus didn't let cultural or religious differences limit his ministry. 
The woman at the well, the Samaritan woman, he specifically went into Samaria. The lepers that he would engage with that were considered off-limits. Unfortunately, political leaders throughout time wanting to stay in power like King Herod attempt to use people's differences to divide them. How many people look at our world today and feel threatened? Which is exactly what King Herod experienced. He felt threatened. What if we looked at the world differently? And instead of seeing threats around us, we see the presence of God. Instead of looking at the all too easily found evil in our world, we instead look for the presence of God that still permeates throughout creation. Can we seek out the presence of God like those wise men searched for that Christ child thousands of years ago? Herod, King Herod, had a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to welcome the Christ child, welcome the baby Jesus. But instead, because of fear, he resorted to violence. Because he did not see Jesus as a gift from God. Instead, he saw a threat. As followers of Jesus, we are challenged to see our neighbors as gifts and not threats. Joseph and his family lived as an immigrant in a foreign land until the angel appeared to him and said, it's safe to return to Israel. Even returning, he made a detour when he learned the son of Herod was ruling over Judah. Instead of moving to Bethlehem in Judah, he went up north to Galilee. This story of Joseph, Mary, and the child Jesus contains so many examples of how vulnerable that family was. They were political refugees. They were immigrants, members of a minority, and finally southerners who moved and lived up north. And just as Joseph was called to care for his vulnerable child and wife, we're challenged to care for at-risk people around us. And the challenge is to respond with compassion and care. When you meet another person, says author and pastor John Pavlitz, you're coming face to face with a once in history, never to be repeated reflection of the image of God. Every person, he says, is made of God stuff. Every single day you encounter breathing, animated thumbnails of the divine. Every person you meet is made of God stuff. It doesn't matter where they were born, whether they're old or young, red or blue, your neighbors all contain within them the sacred spark of God. They're gifts, not threats. Worthy of respect, not hostility. If we can see our neighbors this way, then we're challenged to take action to protect the most vulnerable people in the world. They could be special needs people in our communities, 
are low-income neighbors, recent immigrants, political refugees, members of a minority group, even neighborhood children. When Jesus saw vulnerable people around them, God's word says he had compassion on them. And that word compassion comes from Latin words passio and calm, which literally mean suffer with. To have compassion is to suffer with people, to take their pain seriously and do whatever we can do to help alleviate it. That old saying, you know, not everyone can do everything, but everyone can do something. Since Jesus was familiar with suffering, he was never afraid to show compassion, especially to people in need, even if they were outside his religious or his cultural group. From ancient Israel to our modern-day America, we need to identify with victims of racism, discrimination, and violence, and take action to protect the innocent and vulnerable people that are around us. Joseph did that when he took his family and fled to Egypt. Can we dedicate ourselves in this new year to acts of justice and mercy that support individuals and organizations that help alleviate suffering in the world? There's many good humanitarian organizations that help those suffering in our communities and around the world. You know, I always say to do your own research. I use Charity Navigator if I'm not sure I haven't heard of a charity before. You know, ask your friends, ask your family. Pray about ways you can help. The truth is that each follower of Christ is called to help alleviate suffering in the world. And if we understand... If we commit to help, that is a tangible way to share God's grace and love in the world. When you commit, when we're committed to bringing grace to a hurting world, we're reflecting the sacred in what we do. When we see people, all people, as made in the image of God, we see them as God sees them. Redeemable and worth loving as our neighbors in the world. May God continue to lead you in this new year with a commitment to be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Amen.